really nice to be with you. Um, if you have Bibles, can I encourage you to turn them on, I guess, if they're on your phones. Um, if you have a paper Bible, feel free to open it up there to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, and you can follow along as we work through uh, this little passage tonight. Uh, the big emphasis, I think, in God's word to us here in First Thessalonians 5 is encouragement. This is written to the church in Thessalonica to encourage them. Our wee, uh, our wee passage here is bookended with encouraging ideas at the start and at the end. In verse 1, Paul says, basically, concerning these things, you don't really have any need for me to write to you because uh, you already know this stuff, the problems that they face. Paul's going to show them that the solution to those problems is in the gospel that they've already believed. And then in verse 11 at the end, he says, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Paul wanted to encourage these guys that they're heading in the right direction generally. He says, uh, Kenny, you're believing the right stuff. Keep it up. Keep going. By and large, you're doing the right things. Keep going. There's lots of encouragement. So any challenge that there is here in this passage and any challenge for us tonight is kind of in the in the shadows that fall at the side of the, the truth and the light that Paul says has already been planted right in the middle of them. Mostly it's encouragement. Be encouraged. You believe this stuff that I'm about to remind you of, don't you? You, you are these things that I'm about to remind you of, aren't you? You have this hope that defines you more than anything else. Don't you? God's word here is completely intended, I think, to encourage his people. So what exactly is it, as we think about it in more detail, what is it that these Thessalonian Christians had uh, that meant that they should be encouraged? And how can we, by extension then, be encouraged tonight as we see the same things true about us? Well, we can be encouraged, first of all, because you know the day is coming. We'll see that in verses 1 to 3. Can be encouraged because you know who you are and who you're not. I think my wee clicker's maybe not working, Mr. Hoy. You can scoot on with me if you need to. We're going to see that in verses 4 to 7. And we can be encouraged as well because we know the gospel. These Thessalonian Christians, they knew the gospel. We're going to see that in verses 8 to 11. So first of all, be encouraged because you know the day is coming. Let's read together um, from verse 1 in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there's peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Maybe when you hear that, you're thinking, flip, good time Paul here, isn't he? Mr. Encouragement for sure. Uh, he kind of needs to work on his tone a wee bit if he wants to be encouraging. A promise of sudden destruction for people who can't escape it. It's not the encouragement that you would want if you were having a bad day, I guess. 
But in the situation here, the, the situation was that, that these Thessalonians had big questions. They had serious questions. So this isn't really supposed to be just happy encouragement. It's supposed to be serious encouragement. Maybe whoever was, was speaking here the last time when you were looking at this, uh, this book told you some of this, but I'll remind you anyway. It seems that these Thessalonians, they were worried that if they died before Jesus came back, then in some way they would be disadvantaged. So Paul is trying to encourage them that they don't need to worry about that. They don't need to worry about when they'll die in relation to that day when Jesus comes back. They, they don't need to go to the meeting where the guy gets the charts out and explains how everything's going to work through to the end of times. They don't need to worry about that. Paul says they're already fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, he says. That little phrase, a thief in the night, he's using the same language that Jesus did in Matthew 24. Paul here is probably quite intentionally reminding them of Jesus' teaching about the day when he'll return. Matthew 24, Jesus says this, Therefore, keep watch, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The point to the Thessalonian Christians, the point to us is be encouraged because it's actually great that you care about the day that's coming. Be encouraged because you're ready for it. Be encouraged because you're not like the people who aren't prepared, who aren't ready. Verse 3 of our passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, While people are saying, there's peace. There's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. I don't know if you saw this thing on iPlayer during the week maybe. Peter Jackson, the director, a guy who directed The Lord of the Rings has made a documentary. He's gone and dug up a pile of old footage, old video that was taken during the First World War, got a pile of uh, original interviews with soldiers from the First World War. He's made this documentary. Um, unless you've had your head under a rock in the last week, you've probably noticed that it was 100 years since the end of the First World War last week. Well, one journalist wrote something about the start of the First World War and I heard this this week and I thought it was quite relevant. Journalists said this about the start of the First World War. We were indifferent to the goings-on in Europe before the beginning of the war because in our happy security, we thought they had no bearing on our lives. We find that we were wrong. Many had never heard of the Sarajevo tragedy that began the war. If you're doing GCSE history, you'll know all about that, I'm sure. Yet that tragedy lighted a train of events that has wrecked millions of lives across the face of Europe. The swift 
and tremendous drama unrolled with startling suddenness. It's as though with a careless remark about the weather, we stumbled upon the day of judgment. Just like that, the real day of judgment will come upon us. People will be saying, there's peace, there's peace and security. Chill out, lads. There's peace and security. But that will evaporate just in an instant. Suddenly, as a woman being thrown into pain in childbirth, God is telling us sudden destruction will come. God is writing this, nonetheless, to encourage his people. Not necessarily happy encouragement, but serious encouragement that addresses serious questions. Be encouraged is the message. Be encouraged because at least you know the day is coming. You don't know when it's going to come, but you're ready for it. You don't know when it's going to come. But the fact that you care enough to be concerned about it and to ask these serious questions is a good sign. Christian, be encouraged because you know the truth that the day is coming. First bit of encouragement. Secondly, be encouraged because you know who you are and who you're not. Be encouraged because you know who you are and who you're not. And we're looking at verses 4 to 7 here. When I was a wee kid, uh, both of my sisters were a good bit older than me, so I inherited a lot of their board games from the 80s. Scott's saying I'm feeling a wee bit old tonight because some of you I remember being tiny little kids. Um, and you probably haven't even played board games, I don't know. You've just been like coding apps for iPads or something through your childhood. I don't know. But we used to play board games in my day. Uh, and my favorite was Guess Who. Don't know if you've ever played that. Um, they've sort of modernized it now. You can see a modern box there. The people, I have to say, look a lot more normal. Back in the day, there were some seriously creepy-looking folks on those cards. I'm sure people were traumatized and are still dealing with the issues today. Um, But the idea with Guess Who is that you work out the identity of a person by a kind of a process of elimination. So you ask the question, is the person like this, whatever it is, and the other person says yes or no. And you do that again and again until you build up a picture of their true identity and you can suss out who they are. Well, that's a wee bit like what's going on here. God's word is send us, be encouraged because... You know who you are, and you know who you're not. You know who you are, and you know who you're not. Let's read it together. Look down at your Bibles if you have them from verse 4. You are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. This isn't a completely new point, not at all. Paul is just kind of building up on the point that he was making earlier. 
You're not going to be surprised when the day of the Lord comes because you're not in darkness, Christians. You're not in the night. You're not people of the night when it's hard to see clearly. Be encouraged. He uses loads of images and metaphors that all relate to night and to darkness and to things that happen at night. Thieves surprise people at night. It's hard to see at night in the darkness. People sleep at night. The message is building and building. His point is that there are lots of people who are physically awake but spiritually sleeping. They're, they're kind of just dozing their way through life. When you chat to them, it's not like you can tell. They're physically awake and alert, but spiritually, they're sleeping. And the idea here isn't uh, that what they do or how they live is really obviously evil, but rather that the way they see the world and the way that they understand the point of what's really, really important in life is completely blind to the things that actually and truly are important in life. The things that really matter, the things that really will matter in the light of day, on that day when Jesus comes back. These people are stumbling around in darkness, asleep. That's why he says that these people are drunk too. The point here isn't that alcohol is bad. That's not the point being made. This isn't about Bennett's or space or insert your uh, nightclub of choice in there. It might be about the mentality of people who stumble out of somewhere where people go to get drunk. The point here is that lost people are numbed. They are relaxed, just like they're drunk. They're desensitized, just like with the effects of alcohol. They've got blurry vision. They can't see properly. They can't see what's really important. They can't see that judgment is coming, that that day is coming when Jesus returns. But the encouragement to those Thessalonians and the encouragement to us is this. Don't worry, because God doesn't leave his people in that kind of state. God's people are not like this. They're not in darkness. They're not going to be caught out by the day of judgment because Christians are, and you'll see that in verse 5, children of light. They're children of the day. Verse 8 says, we belong to the day. Christians don't need to freak out and have loads of doubt in the back of our minds about the end of things or the day of judgment. We have been woken up. If we're Christians, we've been given light. God has shone light into our hearts so that we can have all the knowledge that we need about the things that are important by the work of his spirit in us. We don't need to guess who we are. We don't need to guess what our eternal fate will be after that day. We don't need to guess about those things because when God's people play guess who, it goes like this. In darkness, no. Child of the night, no. Asleep, no. Drunk, no. Blindly saying, oh sure, there's peace and security, no. God's people are not like that. God's word tells us God's people. Children of light, yes. Children of the day, yes. 
Sober, yes. Awake, yes. Not surprised by that day of judgment, yes. When God's people play guess who, when we're reading our Bibles, we can be encouraged because we know who we are and we know who we're not. We know what's important and we know what's not. We can see clearly. We can understand clearly. God's people can be encouraged. We know who we are and we know who we're not. Thirdly then, and finally, we're looking at verses 8 to 11. God's people, we can be encouraged if we're Christians because we know the gospel. It's fundamental, but Paul here is reminding them of things that are simple that they already know, but applying them again in different ways. We can be encouraged because we know the gospel. We have the gospel. Reading from verse 8, Paul says, But since we belong to the day, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. It's really easy, I think, as God's people, as we go through life, just through the, the kind of everyday rubbish, the everyday grind uh, in school, in family, uh, with our friends, in work. It's easy to be discouraged and disgruntled and forget the treasure that we have in the gospel. Forget all the encouragement that the gospel we've received should be bringing to our hearts and our minds. So easy to ignore the treasure of the gospel. This is a little frame from Stuart Little. Has everybody here seen Stuart Little? Stick your hand up if you have. Good, I'm reassured. I was kind of freaking out because I knew that's now sort of an old film, but you have seen it. Brilliant. Well, in 2009, uh, a Hungarian art historian whose first name is absolutely unpronounceable to me, I'm sorry, and whose second name sounds something like Barky, Uh, was watching Stuart Little with his daughter. And he saw on the wall what he realized with his expertise looked to him like a a long-lost painting by quite a well-known Hungarian artist. The painting had been bought by some assistant set designer from the movie studio for a few dollars in a charity shop. And the set designer had just stuck it on the wall in Stuart Little's living room. And thought nothing much more about it. Well here is the same art historian. With sleeping lady with black vase. As it, or vase or vase. Depending on what you prefer. Uh, the painting. After it's sold for $285,000. Picked up in a charity shop. And then sold for $285,000. It's easy to be discouraged when we forget the treasure that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're told here that as we go through the daily battles of life and the, and the bigger struggles that we face in life as well, as we have to fight with worry and stress and discouragement 
about any number of things. We're told that we can put on, verse 8, the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Those things are ours in the gospel. God covers us, he protects us in the most important ways, in the most important areas, with a breastplate and a helmet. God's people don't need to worry about their future. Next week, next year, 10 years' time, because we are secure through what we know already, as God helps us see clearly, as he helps us see clearly what is really the most important part of the future. Not the, not the temporary things of this world of darkness, but the eternal things of his kingdom of light. Verse 9 tells us, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 10 tells us that Jesus died for us so that whatever happens to us, whether we live or die, that's what it means there when it says whether we're asleep or awake, whether we live or we die, we can be sure that we live with him. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus' victory over sin and death. He has won the battle. He has gone into the grave and come back out again. We are led by our King, King Jesus, who says in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's our King Jesus. We have the armor we need. We are secure and protected. We have the breastplate of faith and love. We have the helmet of the hope of our salvation. We should be encouraged. God's people can be encouraged. Although we often forget it, although we often overlook how precious it is, we need to remember what we already know, what we already have in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus. These things and many more riches of the gospel given to us by God through his Son. We can be encouraged. God's people can be encouraged because we know the gospel. So God's word to us tonight. That's me finished up. Nothing, nothing very new in lots of ways. Paul's already flagged that up to us. Nothing very new, nothing very different. But if you're one of God's people, you can go away tonight encouraged having heard from his word. You know the day is coming. You know who you are and who you're not. And you know the gospel. God's people can be encouraged. Encouragement. The challenge is, like I said, simply the kind of shadow that falls around this big lump of truth and light that's been planted amongst us. That each one of us be sure that we are sure. Each one of us be sure that we are sure. You know the day is coming, don't you? You know who you are and who you're not, don't you? 
You know the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You know it in your head. You know it in your heart. You know it true for yourself. Don't you? Let me pray for us tonight. Father God, we thank you for your son, for everything that we have in our Lord Jesus. We thank you for the identity that we have through him as children of light, no longer people who are lost in darkness, wandering about aimlessly, just lost in the sin, the mess, the night of this world, but rather people who have been brought into light, brought into the glorious light of your kingdom. We thank you for that reality of who we are before you in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that means that on that day, when the day comes, when Jesus returns, when we stand in judgment, that we can stand in all that we are in your Son. Jesus has died for us. He has risen for us. His righteousness is ours. He makes us clean. And so we, as Christians, as your people, we have nothing to fear in that judgment. We thank you for that blessing, Lord. Would you bless each one of us to have that certainty? And where there's anybody here who doesn't yet know that certainty, who isn't sure, we ask, Lord, that you would work by your Spirit to convince us that the day is coming. Convince us of what we are, what we can be in you, what we are not, what we shouldn't be, what we can't be without you. And convince us, Lord, in all of that, of how good your good news is, of the goodness of your gospel and all that it is to us. I pray these things in Jesus' name.